I want you to go deep. I want you to take something like a barbell and learn all the basic exercises, learn some advanced exercises, learn different training systems in it, learn the difference between, oh, a powerlifting barbell and Olympic lifting barbell, and really fall in love with the tool and understand what you can do with it, what you can't do with it. And then once you have a good grounding in that, let's move on to another tool. And once you have two or three tools, we start having interesting ways we can combine them to make your workouts more fun and more exciting. But if you don't take the time to really invest into one and learn a lot about it, you miss out on really the value it can provide you. Think about learning a language. Like if you wanna learn, you know, five, six, seven languages, you don't like have French class on Monday, Spanish class on Tuesday, Hebrew class on Wednesday. You take a chunk of time, you learn a language. Once you've learned something, maintaining it takes a fraction of the energy. Yeah. So if you spend, you know, three months just training with kettlebells, learning how to use kettlebells correctly, now we can maintain all the skills you learn with a fraction of the effort. Or you can put something else on top of it to put your energy into. Nice. Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Season 4 of the Ebb and Flow Podcast. Thank you for all the support throughout these past two years. I'm really looking forward to sharing more podcast guests with you, along with other content here and on my YouTube channel. If you're new to this show, a good place to start may be the show titled The Purpose of Ebb and Flow, but really any place you start is a good one. My guest today is David Ben Moshe. He's a personal trainer based in the Holy Land of Jerusalem, Israel. He's the founder of Magen Fitness, like from Magen David, where he has helped over 100 individuals with training and nutrition coaching, as well as life coaching with what he calls the four success factors, training, nutrition, life coaching, and mindset. David has a very unique journey that led him into becoming a fitness trainer and a passionate Jew. Magen Fitness is also an online coaching service, so if you're interested in training or just want to check out more about David, go to his website, Magen Fitness, that's M-A-G-E-N, fitness.com. You can check him out on Instagram and social media pages at Real D. Ben Moshe. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon 8 and Facebook, Solomon Ezra Brezen, to learn more. Now, onto the show with David Ben Moshe. What is up, David? How are you today? I'm doing 
Good. How about yourself? Happy Good. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for um, joining me and coming on the show for a new for the start of uh, the next season of my podcast. I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, yourself and how you got into the fitness industry and have been helping and serving a lot of people uh, in Jerusalem and what um, initiated that move because you used to be in the States. So uh, please. So when I was going into high school, I was fat and unathletic. And as everyone knows, high school is not much fun when you're fat and unathletic. Mm -hmm. And so my older brother was on the wrestling team and I decided to get into shape. So I joined the wrestling team, was so out of shape, had like an asthma attack and passed out on the first practice. And then I decided I was just tired of not being in shape. So I started working out and reading books about exercise and eventually got in pretty good shape. By the time I finished high school, I was like 5% body fat. I was a state championship level wrestler and high school became a lot more fun in the last few years. Then after high school, I never really thought that there was like any type of career things you could do in the fitness industry. So went to college to study computer science, had a terrible experience, ended up dropping out, got into all kinds of trouble, and eventually ended up in federal prison. And then in federal prison, there was someone else in there who had been a personal trainer before I went in. And like I like got back into fitness. I was reading all the fitness magazines, exercising two times a day, helping other people get fit inside of them. And he was like, you know, you should try being a personal trainer as a career. You'd be good at it. I'd be like, people will pay you to help them work out. And then so when I got <laughs> this out, is all, had... <laughs> this is all from the fellow uh, the fellow inmate. Yeah. Wow, that's I mean, awful. just, yeah, it never even occurred to my mind that there was such a career as personal trainer or fitness coach that, like, I could, like, make a living off of helping other people to get fit. Yeah. And so I got a job at a gym after I got out, was pretty successful pretty quickly. Um, eventually, ended up leaving the gym, opening my own personal training studio in Baltimore. And then... Uh, Three and a half years ago, four years ago, closed it down and moved to Israel. And now I'm training people in Jerusalem. Wow. It's, it's awesome how, uh, you know, it seems like <clears throat> what kind of led you to a rock bottom moment, per se, like getting into federal prison actually, you know, led you to meeting a, wonder, uh, and a wonderful uh, fellow inmate that you know, helped open your mind and see the uh, other possibilities. Yeah. You you also talked about, uh, like on your website, a little bit introduction. And then when we've spoken before a little bit, how um, it was in the, in the prison, you learn more and eventually converted to Judaism and Orthodox Judaism. Uh, Was that part and help with this other fellow inmate that talked to you about what you could actually teach or train people uh, fitness wise or was it um, something else so it was a completely different inmate was another inmate in the oh, wow. same place it's so. like you were, you were meant to be <laughs> I mean kind of the way things have turned out yeah. like a lot of people would say that that mm-hmm. was kind of me at the right place <laughs> in the right time so um, I was raised fundamentalist evangelical Christian and that never really spoke to me So then like after I moved out of the house, like I just let religion go by the wayside completely. 
And then one day when I was in prison, I was in the library and there was a lockdown. So I was like stuck in the library for like five hours with nothing to do. And I saw a guy reading something in a language I couldn't understand. So I asked him about it. He told me it was Hebrew and explained to me this book he was reading because you seem like um, a lot of times we'll study out of these books with like um, um, books of the Bible in it. And they have like these little boxes in the bottom or on the sides, which are basically called parshanut, where it's people explaining what the text means. Yeah. And he was telling me about like, like the Talmud and stuff? Yeah, so this was actually just Torah. Torah, okay. Yeah, where they often put them in the bottom. And they was like, yeah, well, this is this person's interpretation. This is this person's interpretation. This is this person's interpretation. And I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. So, like, this is like a holy book, and you've got, like, three differing opinions of what the holy text means in the same book. You would, like, study all of them. And that kind of interested me, because yeah. the way I thought of religion was there is the interpretation that the they've decided you will follow that interpretation or you will go to hell. And that's kind of how religion works. <laughs> and that kind of got me interested and I learned more about it and eventually decided it was for me. And after I was released from prison, I did an Orthodox conversion with a congregation called B'nai Israel in Baltimore, Maryland. Wow. <clears throat> it's, I've heard, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly where, but that, like, that other religions kind of have that approach, but I, I hadn't really heard it exactly from somebody like yourself who then converted, like that it was actually like this is, um, you know, this is the interpretation is, and this is what you'll kind of do, um, otherwise you'll go to go to hell. It's like a, it kind of just it just seems like such a how could how anyway that that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> anyways I, mean, I, I know the train of thought you're going down because i went yeah. down that train of thought <laughs> well, also, i was studying uh um tanya the other day and it's it was one of the, the things was actually about um how um other religions it's about kind of like going to heaven whatever that is whereas you know we're bringing heaven jews are it's about bringing heaven to earth and elevating the earth so it's all very cool and and learning all of you know it's like you i was recently at a meditation retreat and nice although there's there's these differences in approaches it's not to say one is right and the other is wrong it's and and that's what i felt like when i was it, it can confronting myself per se like in a, in a meditation retreat and and you have different thoughts that arise and <clears throat> things that are coming from a place of maybe frustration or confusion and you're just there with with those um thoughts i realize that it's not like this 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 um religion is right or this one is wrong we're all right we all have different purposes we all have different approaches and it's just, it was just kind of, it's interesting, it's fascinating to see the different approaches, the different purposes, and then also how we all are um, kind of coming together and arriving into the kind of more syntropic kind of era. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's a cool kind of divergent. Jumping back into 
your story and what led to fitness, it, it seems like the, these two individuals in, in um, prison really kind of helped you carve or shape this path that you didn't know was, was available. Um, what other kind of knowledge and experiences helped you through that challenging time so that it ultimately transformed into what you're doing now. And now I'm sure when you look back at it, you're like, wow, I'm so grateful for, you know, not what I did maybe to get myself in prison, but it's almost like I was meant to be there. I mean, it's still hard to be grateful for the experience because Mm -hmm. it is a very painful way of learning and the unfortunate fact is, is that the way that you're forced to learn and get yourself together in that environment breaks many, many more people than it makes. When that, so I would say, I want to talk about the prison system. Like, so I was in for two and a half years, mm-hmm. which in the federal system is like a very small amount of time. The ridiculousness of having someone incarcerated for two and a half, five, 10, 15, 20 years. And when they walk out the doors, you don't have a place for them to stay, a job waiting for them, skills that they've built up over the time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason why someone should be wondering what they're gonna do when they get out. Like, we've had the time to help them get things together, but instead all they do is they put up barrier after barrier after barrier to make it more and more difficult, which is one of the reasons why we see such a ridiculously high recidivism rate when people come out of the prison system. Interesting. Hmm. What other, so what kind of stuff, um, you were saying it's, it was very kind of, you know, it's a, it's a harsh, intense experience. What kind of what knowledge or other things that you may have learned from those other individuals helped you get through it to then now when you're training individuals today and the fitness is kind of the language, but I'm sure you're also, you know, and you mentioned you have like the, you have four four success factors, the training, the nutrition, life coaching, and the mindset. How did all of those, um, well, the first part, what did you learn throughout the, those two and a half years that helped you reframe your mindset that, and then the second part, now when you're approaching a new client like myself and the primary language is like the fitness and the nutrition uh, and then the other factors, how did that reframe so then you're able to listen to somebody and <laughs> structure a, a program per se, that really helps uh, them learn and grow? I would say one of the biggest things is starting with the end in mind. Mm. Where if you can get an idea of where you want to be in the future and figure out what that reality looks like, Mm. we can then work backwards to today to figure out what you need to do today which is great because it helps people shift their mindset from what's urgent to what is important. To give you an example, um, people want to eat better. 
oftentimes people have a pretty good idea of what eating better means. Mm -hmm. Like when you're eating, you know, cake and junk food and packaged food, you know it's not the best thing for your waistline. So the urgent thing to do is to stop eating junk food now. And so people come in, they're like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm gonna clean up my diet. Today is the last day I'm eating junk food. Tomorrow I'm eating healthy. Great. But what about the foundational skills which will allow you to make that happen? Mm -hmm. For example, grocery shopping. If you haven't learned how to make a shopping list, go to the grocery store and stock your food, stock your fridge and pantries with healthy foods that you want to eat, you can't just stop eating junk food because there's nothing in your house to eat besides junk food. <laughs> or when it comes to gym, I want to have as intense a workout as I can today as fast as possible. Great, but what if we don't crush you? You can also work out tomorrow and the next day and the next day. One of the things I'm always repeating to people over and over and over again is consistency beats intensity 10 times out of 10. Mm -hmm. One of the analogies I like to use to people is brushing your hygiene, brushing your teeth for two minutes a day, seven days a week, or wait till Sunday and brush your teeth for a half hour. <laughs> like we've got to figure out how to get these small doses in consistently and figuring out what small dose things we need to work on. It's easiest to figure out if we figure out where you want to be and what your lifestyle you want to live. So one of the questions I often ask, instead of just asking people quite simply, like what your goals are, I'm like, all right, say we're talking a year from now, what you want to be different about your life when it comes to health and fitness. And then we start getting like more useful information than just, you know, I want to lose weight yeah. or add muscle or not be winded. I get things like, oh, like I want to have like a lifestyle where I'm more active. I want to like have like good meals. I want to be less stressed. And now we can figure out what small steps we can make to create that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And once you've created the lifestyle, then your body naturally follows. Yeah. It's not about changing your body. It's about changing your lifestyle. Your body is just a representation of where your lifestyle and your genetics meet. Mm -hmm. In the... Um... <clears throat> Now, did you learn a lot about this also when you were in prison? Like, were you taught or did you learn, hey, like, I can get out of here and there's, I can begin practicing, uh, training people. Did you begin that when you kind of began having like an end picture in mind? So what I thought was going to happen mm -hmm. was I would get out, have to get like a crummy job at the fast food place, <laughs> save up money and get a certification and then get into a gym to start working yeah. and doing it. It's uh, um, ahead, the sir. way things ended up turning out. So once I got out, I basically, I spent eight hours a day applying for jobs, both like fast food stuff, which like the only thing I was qualified for and like gyms. And I could never get past 
anything at any fast food restaurant. Yeah. And interestingly enough, the reason for that was when you start at like a fast food restaurant, the first thing they want is they want someone to start on the nights and weekends shift. So when I told them like, oh, I don't work on Saturdays, that was the end of my application. Yeah. And then I eventually found a gym who actually, it's an interesting story. It goes back to what I said about like, there's like not a lot of help, just barriers. The place ended up giving me a job. They only gave me the job because they had this convoluted hiring process where no one ever asked me about my criminal record and everyone thought someone else had. Wow. Like a year later, I was talking to the manager who hired me and she was like, oh, like, yeah, I thought someone else handled it and we were like, okay about it. And then it's like, oh no, just everyone thought someone else did it. And then by then I was already like the number one selling employee and great and they didn't want to get rid of me, but it was just luck. Wow. Now, it's, it's really cool. And then in uh, what I've learned and uh, experience that and like you were saying things didn't happen how you thought it would and our brain really kind of has it measures you know our goals <clears throat> something that we want to do, do or want to accomplish and then it measures it at some kind of distance like it's some time away from or some time and space away from us and and it measures well i have to do this and this is what i think i need to do to get there when really all we have to do is get really clear on the end picture in mind what is that vision what is that intention we'd like to create and begin kind of rehearsing that and embodying it and 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 being connected with the emotions that it'll bring us and then and kind of just get out of get us out of the way of getting there huh and being open because again I, you there you have your plan and then you have to be open for different paths because exactly. you never know when a better way comes along you want to be so stuck on this is how it has to be done yeah. that you miss the shortcut that just appeared to make your life much easier yeah. towards your end goal and that's a that's a challenge of itself it's like a a, a dance between having that clear intention and uh so and then also kind of letting go and trusting that you're you're being guided there hmm. um let's talk a little bit about your um four success factors and you had a nice article explaining when when people ask you you know what you do um they often think it's crossfit kind of approach uh, so could you talk a little bit about uh, the mixed modality movement and then uh, nutrition? Uh, I read you also, you had a recent article in that uh, your, your kids were waking up, but it was on Shabbat and you, after you ate a nice protein kind of meal, then you had some uh, nice, more, um, let's say Shabbat-like meal. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's very nice because I feel like sometimes we can also get a little too rigid in, well, I can't have the cake or I can't have this. And then we begin kind of uh, harming ourselves with, with the thoughts that, oh, this isn't good for me. And if I eat this, I, I will feel this way. As opposed to, you know, <laughs> eating, eating um, you know, healthy 
And then if I want to have uh, a cake or something, uh, the like, that it's okay. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to have to uh, feel bloated or have a or crash or whatever. So that comes down to one of the is I don't care what you don't eat. I care what you do eat. It's very easy because of like diet culture and mindset to be so focused on what you can't have. When in reality, I found, and there's some scientific literature that backs this up as well, that if you get enough good stuff into people, naturally the bad stuff starts going down. Mm-hmm. Like once you get eating, you know, five, six servings of fruits and vegetables a day, eating enough protein, you'll find you just don't have room for that extra junk food to stuff yourself on. And a lot of times, cravings are your body trying to get more nutrients. And then by eating something sugary, like what is natural and sugary? Oh, fruit. If you're craving sugary things, nature would give you fruit, which has lots of nutrients. But if instead you eat a donut, the donut's got no nutrients. Now, if your body was trying to get some nutrients, it just got empty calories. There's no reason for that craving to go away. Mm -hmm. Also, healthy foods tend to be self-limiting meaning you just can't overeat them. Like it's very easy to get a bag of chips and finish the entire bag. But when you get, you know, some cucumbers, like at some point you go, okay, I'm full. I'm not just gonna keep eating this for taste because it's not like this like rush of sugar and deliciousness, like short circuiting everything going on. It's like you're eating for actual hunger. It's one of the things that my mother said, and many other mothers say, like, if you don't want your vegetables, you're not hungry. <laughs> it's true. It's tasty, but you definitely get uh, full a lot quicker. But yeah, hungry people eat vegetables just fine. It's when you're not hungry that you, know, you can keep eating the Pop-Tarts. It becomes an emotional kind of uh, thing. Yeah. Then you also asked about the mixed modality training, Mm -hmm. which is a concept I recently started using, which kind of describes the type of training that I teach people, which came out of a question I get all the time where people like, because they'll be telling them about what I do, how I help people get fit. I'll tell them about the barbell training and the kettlebells and the calisthenics. And they're like, oh, you mean like you teach CrossFit? Just not exactly what I do. Uh-huh. And for a long time, it was hard for me to explain to them what the difference is. And I finally got like a very compact way to show the difference. And the difference is CrossFit, which is, by the way, can be great. Nothing against CrossFit. Some of my best friends own CrossFit gyms. CrossFit teaches people to go wide they want you to get a lot of skills in a lot of different areas and combine them into high intensity workouts to hit your goals i want you to go deep i want you to take something like a barbell and learn all the basic exercises learn some advanced exercises learn 
different training systems and to learn the difference between, oh, a powerlifting barbell and Olympic lifting barbell and really fall in love with the tool and understand what you can do with it, what you can't do with it. And then once you have a good grounding in that, let's move on to another tool. And once you have two or three tools, we start having interesting ways we can combine them to make your workouts more fun and more exciting. But if you don't take the time to really invest into one and learn a lot about it, you miss out on really the value it can provide you. Think about learning a language. Like if you wanna learn, you know, five, six, seven languages, you don't like have French class on Monday, Spanish class on Tuesday, Hebrew class on Wednesday. You take a chunk of time you learn a language, once you've learned something, maintaining it takes a fraction of the energy. Yeah. So if you spend, you know, three months just training with kettlebells, learning how to use kettlebells correctly, now we can maintain all those skills you learn with a fraction of the effort, or you can put something else on top of it to put your energy into. Nice. No, it's very, I like that a lot. So when you, when you have a, a client, you run through kind of, uh, like you said, the mindset, different principles and concepts and life coaching per se. Of, you know, you help them bring a, uh, take their goal, which starts out pretty general, and then you help them see what they meant, like, oh, they just wanted more energy and have a more active life. Well, what does that look like for that person? Say they want to be able to walk to uh, walk a mile on on Saturdays or be able to like do different weekly things that that prove to them oh I'm living an active life and then you begin to take them uh through different um workouts or programs that you design so then will you focus just on the same movements for a specific week to help to somebody maybe get a squat down and then and then you'll start because you said once you really can understand that language, um, it takes only a fraction of the time to maintain it. So, so, so the would, mindset yeah. that I start off trying to impart to them is this idea of learning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's not just about when you come to the gym, one of the biggest mistakes most people make is they think, how can I turn my brain off, burn as many calories as possible, get out as quickly as possible, so I can get to doing all the other stuff I want to be doing. <laughs> it's so funny, it's like, uh, you know, myself included before, but it's like we have a similar mindset with that, with not just fitness, but like meditation as well. And you know, people think, oh, I'm, I'm doing this to turn my, to turn my brain off. Which is, yeah. not, which is not the approach yeah. at all. Yeah, so, I mean, like in meditation, one of the things you learned early on was like, oh, people think learning to meditate means not thinking. But uh-huh. really, when you're meditating, you're just aware that you are thinking. Because most uh-huh. of the time, you're thinking you're just not even aware it's happening. Uh-huh. We could argue that the, even other times, it's when you're just thinking and thinking, it's actually you're not thinking and doing that during that time. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, but it it does take 
it does take some effort in in a sense to to begin to to fully embody that that learning mindset or that that uh, process focused mindset that it takes a lot of yeah. effort because so what kind of in in your experience and with the different clients and and myself included when 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 i was going through that kind of change it's it's the the different um i guess i would say branches that come from that or the what makes it so challenging is the um just how what um the different ways of like you have to get out over like trying so hard or that you're getting somewhere in that you really have to learn to just appreciate the the moment and and just fall in love with the work that you're doing and not needing a a, a result you know right now you just got to fall in love kind of with with doing it with with going to the gym on a daily basis and doing you know a a relatively easy or or workout where i can still work out the next day or if it's meditation just falling in love with getting up early and 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 giving my mind the and body the space to kind of just become aware of whatever is apparent that day what kind of uh what do, what have you recognized in yourself and then others those kind of limiting um thoughts that made that transformation uh challenging so when i see what limits people from being able to do that it almost always comes down to mindfulness mm -hmm. and expectations mm. when i say mindfulness i mean this so especially if i'm training something someone in person we're going through our initial screening process and figuring out our first exercises and like changing the exercises one of my go-to questions which i'll use a million times is okay does that feel better worse or the same that the first time they hear that they go like what like was it better than it was before was it worse than it was before or is it the same and it's just never occurred to them to think if doing a movement a certain way they should take the time to notice how it feels hmm. and once they next time they do it they see if it feels better and it did feel better they go oh that felt better i'm like good it feels good to feel good <laughs> and then we keep doing that and it starts bringing their mind to like if i do things a certain way i feel good if i do them another way they don't feel good and the way that feels good is generally the way that we want to do it nice how have uh, how have you been doing with the, your clients and you know, in Jerusalem and and uh, also out of the country um, during COVID? Do you help individuals um, via like a call like this and setting up a program? And so I am extremely extremely blessed that even before COVID happened, yeah. I did about half my work virtually, half my work in person. 
which was great because once you get a full lockdown, in-person training is closed down completely. I know a lot of people like gym owners whose income, the personal trainers whose incomes went to zero overnight, like a three month period. And that's like a very tough financial situation. So um, when I help people in-person training, I usually see them once or twice a week. And I work on personalizing the program, give them homework to do, lay out their weeks, give them coaching on movements, diet coaching, kind of the whole thing to help them slowly move towards the lifestyle that they want to be living with the focus on educating them so that one day they can go do this themselves. On, online, I generally do mostly online coaching where I give people access where unlimited emails, video review, uh, we start off with initial phone call, and then I build them a program, provide them resources, and give them diet coaching as well to help them learn by themselves and keep them accountable to make sure that they're still moving forward. One of the biggest things with that is just keeping people accountable, like knowing that like on Sunday, you're gonna get a WhatsApp message from me and we're gonna start talking about what fitness you did last week. Like it's sometimes enough to just get people to think during the week, like, oh, yeah. it should be one of those weeks where I just do nothing. Cause it's very easy when you're not talking with anyone about your health and fitness to go, oh, last week I didn't exercise at all. And if that thought never occurs to you, that's easy to go another week and another week before you know it's a month, before you know it's six months, before you know it's like, huh, like I used to work out and now it's been six months I haven't exercised at all and I'm kind of like my pants are feeling tighter and my energy levels are kind of lower and just staying on track is not easy to do without some form of accountability. A lot of my online coaching is geared towards accountability and education. Awesome. So if somebody's interested, what kind of um, individuals generally do you, um, do you help? Do you have a specific audience or, or something? So I'm one of those weird trainers. My audience kind of runs the spectrum. Okay. Um, the youngest person I work with right now is five. The oldest I currently work with is 67. Um, I get most of my older people, people who are trying to regain movement function, uh, get out of pain, get more active, basically age well. People who want to learn how to start doing this movement thing and get an education in it because unfortunately, if you don't seek out a uh, education in movement, it's not provided to you. Like we make you learn how to read, how to write, how to do geometry and trigonometry, but no point do we teach you how to learn. I would say one of the biggest problems in our school system is, you know, when you go to a math class, they break down into skills, what you need to learn, they teach it to you, they give you drills to help you advance to the point where you can solve, you know, a quadratic equation. When you come to gym class, they tell you, go run, go do push-ups. And if you can't, then they pass you for showing up yeah. without figuring out how they can teach you how to 
move better and be better physically. Then a lot of my middle age, when I say middle age, I mean like 25 to like 40-ish are ex-athletes or ex-military people who want to like get back in shape, figure out how to do this now before they get old and it gets much more difficult. Awesome. And then when I get like a really young, like the five-year-old I work with, it's mostly teaching him how to play games because yeah. when it comes to educating children how to move, it's mostly getting out of the way and not forcing anything on them and figuring out what different games they can play where they learn the skills which will help them move better, yeah. which we just have to encourage them. Awesome. Well, David, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. How, how can people get in touch? So easiest way to get in touch with me is through my website, maganfitness.com. You can also find me on Instagram at, at realdbenmosha and on Twitter with the same handle or on Facebook, David Ben Moshe. I'll be the black one with the dreadlocks. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm making the podcast and putting it all on YouTube now. So hopefully people can join us in the studio and, and see our, our beautiful faces. Yeah, I said there's a lot of David Ben Moshe's, but not a lot that look like me. <laughs> well, it's, been a, it's, it's really been a pleasure speaking with you again. Uh, I've, you know, it's been nice a handful of times uh, now, and I'm grateful for the friend who introduced me to you when you were giving the, um, the, the talk with, I don't remember if it was the JCC or... I think it was you know, uh, Hillel International. Hillel International. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, I really appreciate all the different fitness advice uh, that you share and how it's really the kind of language you're using to help also instill the different uh you know valuable and empowering life lessons um to uh to to me and to everyone hopefully that listens and to all your clients awesome glad you're following glad you're getting some value out of it yeah Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.